So, uh, thank you for tuning in. I was requested to give a class on depression and suicide, which doesn't sound like a happy topic, but it's a very important topic, and it's a topic in which knowledge can lead to happiness. So in that sense, hopefully it, it does turn out to be a topic for happiness. Um, I'm going to begin with depression, psychological depression. And um, I would like to start with definitions from the dictionary. Try to find sort of a neutral, neutral ground. So depression is uh, feelings of severe despondency. Just, uh, okay, I just want to make sure we're online here. Feelings of severe despondency and dejection. Uh, in psychiatry, it's a mental condition characterized by feelings of severe despondency and dejection, typically also with feelings of inadequacy and guilt, often accompanied by lack of energy and disturbance of appetite and sleep. So that's uh, those are the relevant definitions. Um, so uh, also, I went to a, a simple website, typical website probably like many others, about depression. Um, the difference between clinical and intermittent depression. Um, it's natural. Sometimes we feel sad. Sometimes we feel inadequate. Uh, they say that it's rare for a person to be always happy every moment of their life. But the difference is that Clinical depression is not being simply sad for a day or two, but it's, it's something that goes on for a long time, something that you really uh, don't come out of so easily or you, you're not sure how you can ever come out of it. And so um, one point which, which should be clear here is that um, Is that I'm not I don't I'm not a professional psychiatrist or psychologist and so I'm not claiming to know everything about this I know something about it and I certainly know how it may relate to Krishna consciousness so when, what I'm going to say is not meant as a substitute for necessary medical treatment or necessary counseling. There are many cases where a person really can and should benefit from professional help. So uh, I'm doing something else here, and that is uh, I'm trying to give a spiritual perspective, which some people may find that the spiritual perspective or, or applying 
certain uh, spiritual principles is actually all they need, that it's enough for them. They, it, it gets them back on track. Other people will need also to seek medical help or counseling or whatever. So I wanna make that clear that uh, what I'm doing, what I'm not doing. But I think everyone, you know, whatever their condition and whatever other uh, therapies or remedies they may seek or apply, everyone can benefit and should benefit from applying a Krishna conscious perspective to their life. So, I mean, you can Google, uh, I mean, there, there are innumerable articles online for, you know, regarding pharmaceuticals that are prescribed for depression or how one can get past depression without pharmaceuticals, without taking drugs. Studies, the latest studies now show that, for example, diet makes a difference. That for young adolescents, I think the study was done in Australia, that adolescents uh, who eat a lot of junk food are much more likely to be depressed. When people start improving their diet, eating more fruits and vegetables and natural food, uh, that tends to help them to escape depression. Uh, support groups, having friends, family, good association is also an important point. And, uh, you know, organizing your life, having a regulated life, trying something new if you think you're in a rut. So all these things are, are very easily, are very readily available. You can look them up very easily. At, uh, and uh, there are many articles and lists of, things you can do that are coming from qualified professionals. So again, I'm not presenting the Krishna conscious perspective as something you should do instead of that, if you need it. But rather I'm, so I, I'm making this very clear because it's, it's important to not be understood. It's like, you know, sometimes you call up a, uh, a doctor and they say, this is a medical emergency, hang up, call 911. So anyway, uh, what is the uh, Krishna conscious perspective on this? Um, one thing is that, uh, fortunately, we are not our bodies and we are not our, including the metal, mental body, the subtle body. Now, that's easy to say. And for example, if one is suffering from some severe physical problem it's um you know sometimes people want more than just philosophy they, they want comfort they want medicine they want so many things but but still it is fair to say that the more krishna conscious we are the more krishna conscious we are the more that we can deal with these things for example one of the main uh methods to overcome depression is uh, support networks, friends and family. And so a devotee who has seriously cultivated meaningful devotee friendships, a devotee who has, gonna, who has been a good friend to others and has good friends, will have a powerful support network. We know, for example, that food influences um, positively or negatively our mental state. So if we follow Bhagavad Gita, where Krishna explains food in the mode of goodness, if we eat prasadam in the mode of goodness, that will also help. 
we know that a devotee should have a regulated life, should practice bhakti yoga. So if we are able to organize our life around a spiritual practice, that also helps because that's one of the main ways or that's one of the ways that you come out of depression is by regulating your life. And then another way is by trying something new. And so if you haven't been preaching lately, you may try that. Someone may say, well, how can I preach? You know, I'm unhappy myself, but maybe we're unhappy because we're not preaching. In, in fact, the more we try to help others, then often uh, the more we help ourselves. In fact, often we can help ourselves more by trying to help others, by being kind and good to other people and receiving their gratitude and goodwill in return. So if you look down the list of, of things you can do, apart from pharmaceuticals, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I only have one religion or not a religion, spiritual path. You could say Krishna consciousness. I don't make a religion out of allopathy or uh, natural cures. I don't make a religion out of those things. Uh, I prefer just to, you know, see to worship Krishna, not to worship some material process. But so as far as the object, establish a routine. That's sadhana bhakti. Do something new. Find a way to serve Krishna in a way you haven't served before. Get a pet. <laughs> For some people, a pet really helps. And if a pet helps you, then get a pet. There's, as we know, sometimes in sort of old-fashioned Krishna consciousness, there's a stigma about pets. But Sivananda Sain, who's an intimate associate of Lord Chaitanya, adopted, you could say, a pet dog and took care of the dog very conscientiously. And the dog went back to Godhead. So... Um, Try to change your thought process. That's another thing they recommend. Th these are ways to get out of depression without drugs. Um, yeah, if, if change your thoughts to Krishna conscious thoughts by practicing Krishna consciousness, and that will definitely help. Friends, relatives, and support groups. We've already talked about the importance of devotee association. Get enough sleep, but not too much. Krishna says that in the Gita, don't sleep too much. Don't sleep too little. So that one's right in the Bhagavad Gita. Exercise. Yes, uh, it says your physical activity is a great non-medical treatment for depression because when you exercise, you're creating some endorphins that will flood your brain with new vigor. So keep in shape. That's also Krishna conscious. Do exercise. Keep yourself in shape. Now, now that we've gone over all that repeatedly, I want to talk about just purely Krishna conscious things. In depression, typically a person feels like I'm worthless or nothing I do matters or why bother, there's nothing for me in life and all those things. But clearly, apart from all the medical and psychological issues, uh, there's a spiritual misunderstanding here. Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, Shayan Dravya Maya if you want to know what verse that is. Uh, that is from the Bhagavad Gita. It is verse 433. Actually, uh, 434 in Gita, Bhagavad Gita chapter 4, verse 34, is the famous verse, Tadvid hi pranipatena, learn the truth uh, by approaching uh, the wise and so on, those who have knowledge. 
So the verse before that, just one verse before that, Krishna says that better than simply performing rituals, better than that is the, what he calls the sacrifice of knowledge, jnana yagya. So what is the sacrifice of knowledge? Because the word knowledge, jnana, also means consciousness. So depression obviously is something which occurs within our consciousness. And so what does it mean to offer your consciousness, whether it's depressed or jubilant, what does it mean to offer that consciousness to Krishna? For one thing, perhaps the central idea here, is that we agree to, to, to be conscious in a way that agrees with Krishna's consciousness. In other words, for example, Krishna sees us as spirit souls, that in fact, that's what we are, we're spirit souls. And so uh, if you see yourself and see others the way Krishna sees us, because that's what, what, what it really is, then you're offering your consciousness to Krishna so that Krishna can fill your consciousness with his perfect understanding of everything. So if you see yourself through Krishna's eyes, in other words, we, we often talk about trying to understand Krishna or trying to see Krishna. And ultimately we understand who Krishna is by hearing from Krishna or hearing from his bona fide representative. And so we try to, there's even the expression Shastra Chakshus, the eye of scripture. Try to see through the eyes of scripture. Or try, and, and of course, scripture is, in the first instance, it's Krishna himself teaching and people who have heard from Krishna or heard from those who have heard from Krishna and repeating it. So to see through scripture is to see through Krishna's eyes. So if you see yourself, if you see yourself as Krishna sees you, you will never be depressed. Because Krishna does not see any soul as worthless, as useless. Krishna doesn't see any soul that way. Krishna sees every soul as having great value, in fact, unlimited value. And therefore, if you cultivate a vision of yourself, if you, if you agree to see yourself as God sees you, you can never think you're worthless. You can never think that your life is not worth the trouble, which of course gets into another topic of, related topic of suicide, which of course happened, which is a result you could say of extreme depression. So if someone gives up on themselves and therefore sees no purpose in their life, uh, they are rejecting Krishna's vision of them and instead insisting on some other idea about themselves, which is depressing and which is also false. It's not true. So in that sense, if we can somehow or other surrender to Krishna's vision of ourself, then we will not be depressed and we will never, and then it, it, in a sense, in the same Krishna conscious line, if we understand that the body belongs to Krishna, that 
we don't have technically a body. I mean, we do have a body uh, in this in the obvious sense that we are inside a material body and we can move it in different ways and we can make the legs walk or the hands grasp and, and so on. So, so in an ordinary sense, yes, we have a body. But in a higher philosophical sense, no, we don't have a body because to have means to possess and actually our body belongs to Krishna. So when we understand that, that our bodies actually belong to Krishna, then uh, we cannot damage it. We cannot attack our body, much less try to kill it because it doesn't belong to us. And we cannot vandalize the property of God. It's his property. So Lord Chaitanya said, Anandam Vardhanam, that uh, Sankirtan increases the ocean of bliss. So whatever our problems are, again, some people actually need medicine. And, and that is also dangerous because there are sometimes collateral effects. So it's, you know, you have to be extremely careful. But still, some people do need to take some kind of medicine. That's just the way it is. And uh, other people, they may not take drugs, psychotropic drugs. They may prefer just to try to heal themselves in a more natural way. So, uh, and, and of course, there's counseling, there's therapy, there's talking to an experienced professional who can help you to find your way out of what is ultimately an irrational state of consciousness because there is no, there's no rational state of consciousness in which a person is self-destructive or feels hopeless. To feel hopeless is to forget Krishna because Krishna never gives up on us. And if we give up on ourselves, it's because we forgot how Krishna sees us and we're not agreeing to see ourselves as Krishna sees us. So um, another aspect of, of this topic of depression and suicide is that we, as, I mean, we're trying to be devotees, Vaishnavas. So we should be very compassionate to those who apparently need help. We should be, um, I know myself, just to tell sort of a personal story here. Uh, I mean, when I, when I was young, probably when anyone was young, you know, we're not so mature and don't know so much about things. And so I had one god brother who was uh, who did a lot of extraordinary service and who was really a very very nice person, talented, and that was Vishnu Janaswami. And uh, we seem to have powerful evidence that in fact he uh, took his life. So probably many of you have heard those stories. But um, and so I sort of regret that. At that time, I was, of course, still very young, just in my probably mid-20s or something. And just didn't I just didn't have the maturity, the understanding, the knowledge to understand, to even understand that this person needed help. 
and much less you could say to um, to actually reach out and help this person. I just unfortunately didn't have that maturity or understanding at that age. But now that we're a little older, I mean, I'm a little older, certainly, uh, as far as possible, if we can reach out. And, and of course, some people want help and some people want attention. People that don't really want help, they just want attention. You, you can't really help them because they don't really want help, they want attention. But there are many people who do actually want help and as far as possible, uh, we should try to reach out to those people. We can, and not only preaching Krishna consciousness, which of course we should also do, but also um, in addition to Krishna, uh, we can learn something. If we know somebody, if there's someone, a friend of yours or, or even an acquaintance or a relative, someone in your family that appears to be suffering these symptoms or appears to be at risk for suicide, then you know it only takes a few minutes to educate yourself and to get some knowledge about it, consult with professionals, and then and also bring in Krishna consciousness and do all you can to help that person. So um, as we know, ultimately the body belongs to Krishna, and uh, we belong to Krishna, and so uh, we should do everything possible to keep ourselves spiritually fit and, and keep ourselves happy. Uh, it's not easy to practice spiritual life in this age. It's a very difficult world we live in. We all know that. And so there are sort of two extremes in a middle position. One extreme is to be unforgiving toward yourself, to be unable to forgive, forgive yourself for things you might have done or things you didn't do. And then on the other extreme, there is shamelessness, people that simply have no shame and uh, do not hold themselves accountable for any obnoxious behavior. And so between this, these two extremes of being shameless or being always guilt-ridden, um, there's a position where you have principles, you care about your principles, you want to make advancement, you want to do the right thing, and at the same time, you don't uh, torture yourself over it, you just make steady progress. To be generous with yourself does not mean to be shameless and self-indulgent, that's something else. It does mean to not, we're all imperfect. It's a very difficult age we live in, and and so it's not worth it to just, uh, it, we should not be too hard on ourselves. Uh, of course, again, the other extreme is to become shameless. But to a reasonable degree, we should um, give ourselves a little time to become Krishna conscious and try to help others. So um, these are some of the points I wanted to make. Uh, Unfortunately, on my screen, I'm on Facebook, as you probably guessed, um, I can't see who's on it. I don't know if someone, I actually don't know if Ananda Leo is listening, or you can call in and just tell me how to do that. But uh, I actually am not able to see anyone's comments if anyone has written comments. Uh, 
or if any, even if anyone's listening. I mean, I can't, uh, somehow usually on the screen I can see that, but somehow right now I cannot see it. So if I'm not answering your questions, it's because I cannot see them. And I tried clicking, actually, as I was talking, I tried clicking on different buttons, but I couldn't seem to find the right button to click on. And I still can't find the right button to click on. So, um, anyway, uh, I, I'm not going to speak for a long time on this topic. We've spoken about 25 minutes almost. And uh, so I'd like to thank everyone for listening. And again, I, I'm sorry that unfortunately I just can't... Uh, can't seem to find who's listening or or find uh, if you have any questions I can't see them so I encourage everyone to um, to be happy in Krishna consciousness and and Prabhupada once said if you're not happy in Krishna consciousness you're doing something wrong and so we should correct that the best you know the best way to correct it uh, is to uh, sort of, you know, get a little more serious about Krishna consciousness, really. And even having the faith that ultimately Krishna consciousness will solve all my problems if I, if I do it properly. Let's see. Uh, someone is telling me how to... Uh, yeah, there's 68 people, but... Yeah, somehow or other. Uh, anyway, I'm sorry. I just I just can't figure out. Maybe if, if there was someone here that knows more about computers, they could tell me. Usually, it appears. But in any case, um, it's also faith, and and faith is something. Maybe I'll just end with this. Faith is something very personal. It's a, of course to some extent we you know seeing is believing. So if we've had very positive spiritual experiences, we may be more inclined to believe. But still you as a soul you really have that power i mean you can really make decisions you can decide that you want to trust krishna more it's like in a relationship you may not be sure whether you want to enter into a relationship with another person and at a certain point you just decide that i'm really going to try to make this work i'm really going to do all i can and so we can make those kinds of decisions with krishna also in other words, we don't have to just sit back and wait for lightning to strike or wait for Krishna to do something amazing in our life. We actually can decide. Oh my God, did I find the uh, messages? Let's see. Leave this leave page. You're still broadcasting. Stay on this page. Sorry. I got my hopes up there. I thought maybe I, I clicked on my own name. Sorry to... Uh, Sorry to involve you in all my technical problems, but so you should not underestimate your own power, your own free will. You can make a decision to get closer to Krishna, to trust Krishna more, to to really make, to really admit that that we're all servants of Krishna, to really just accept it because it's it's only our false pride that's holding us back. So. Uh, 
we should not disempower ourselves by some kind of philosophy in which I can't really do anything about this. You know, I'm helpless, I'm hopeless. We should, we do have that power. We can turn to Krishna. And Krishna invites us over and over again in the Gita to come to him for shelter. Chapter 18, Krishna says, Tameva Sharanangacha, go to the Lord alone for shelter. Sarva Bhavena Varta, with all your feeling, with all of your existence, uh, go to the Lord for shelter. So we can do this. We have free will. And of course, the nature of depression is we feel, I can't, I can't do anything. Nothing will work. There's nothing worth doing. And so I think at times like that, you also have to remember. You have to remember those moments when you were genuinely happy, ecstatic in Krishna mm -hmm. consciousness, and you have to trust. You have to trust that experience. All of us have had ecstatic experiences sometime or other in our lives in Krishna consciousness. And when we're feeling down, you have to remember those experiences and trust them and trust that that was really me. This me right now, sort of discouraged, demoralized, hopeless, what's the use? Uh, there was another me that was very happy, very hopeful. And you have to bet your money on that happy you. You have to um, surrender to your real self and somehow or other say that happy version of myself that was Krishna conscious, that was really me. And this version now where I'm unhappy and not Krishna conscious, that's, that's not who I want to be and it's not who I really am. So you have to have that faith. You have to have the determination to make serious decisions in your own life. As they say, God helps those who help themselves. So I hope everyone will do this and, and act in their own true self-interest and also help others to act in their true self-interest. So thank you very much. Uh, thank you for listening. Sorry, I can't see your names and comments and uh, hope to see you again. Oh, I should announce also that Sunday, I'm actually traveling to Los Angeles for a day or two. And Sunday morning at between around 8.15 to 8.30, we are actually going to have a little get together, a darshan in a, in a beautiful park. And I'm going to give my Sunday Bhagavatam class at 8.30 uh next sunday morning that's in five days <clears throat> five days on october 20th for those of you who are in southern california the park is holmby park h-o-l-m-b-y holmby park I wonder if i can write a comment and you guys can see it that'd be interesting uh this is in los angeles uh oh son of a gun i just sent a message now i can see all of you well, that's nice. Well, I can see you now. Uh, so, glad to see all your names there. I'm just looking at all the names here. People are watching. Um, someone quoted, there's nothing in this world that can trouble you more than your own thoughts. True. And nothing in this world can help you more than Krishna's thoughts, as he explains them in Bhagavad Gita. Uh, yes, uh, someone said thank you for talking about this topic. Thank you for listening. So, um, 
there's all this, you know, there's all these things about empowering, like finding your own power and, and owning your own power. But our real power is that we're part of God, that we're actually divine beings. We're part of God. That's a big deal. Uh, today is Teacher's Day in Brazil. So being an eternal part of God, you are actually part of God. You're like a little piece of God. That's a big deal. Uh, that, that's not a small-time thing. So someone asked, what if, our, what if it's our relationship with devotees that precipitated our depression? Uh, two things. Then, first of all, you're, you may be associating with the wrong devotees. As we know, all devotees are not created equal, and you need to find devotees that don't depress you. And also, you have to make sure that you are being reasonable and not blaming other people for something you could have actually done something about. Uh, let's see. Well, it's really nice to see all you guys here. Glad I'm not alone. Okay, here's a question uh, from Wellington. So you know who that is. Hare Krishna Maharaj, you mentioned that you don't make a religion out of other processes. How do we understand the situation when some devotees very strongly push certain modalities as the best cure, not necessarily more than bhakti, but more than any other material process, and try to push this modality on everyone? The new craze here is faster EFT. Emotional freedom technique, for example. Do you have any experience with such situations? And how do you deal with them? Respond to devotees. Okay. Uh, first of all, if someone's recommending anything, like, you know, a recipe to cook or, you know, how to deal with yourself spiritually or psychologically, the first thing is, or, or medically, the first thing is I'd like to know, are you a qualified professional? Like, are you really good at what you do? And, uh, you know, have you studied? So, of course, if someone claims to be spiritually advanced, are they really spiritually advanced? And have they been able to inspire a lot of people to do significant service for Prabhupada? If they have inspired a lot of people to do significant service for Prabhupada, uh, or if they're not a trained doctor, if they don't have a history of, uh, of success. I have personally have two disciples who were nice disciples who years ago died. They both died unnecessarily because they made a religion out of natural cures. They actually had diseases that could have been cured by just normal, you know, evil allopathic medicine. And they would perhaps still be living today, but they both died because they made a religion out of some particular health thing. And also, if, if it comes to your emotions, I mean, I understand that there's knowledge in many places, and there's all kinds of books, and there's all kinds, you know, there's all kinds of advice that people give, psychologists or, or counselors or life coaches, and, and some of it's good and some of it's terrible. But ultimately, any good advice, any truly good advice is going to be something that's also in the Bhagavad Gita. It doesn't mean you can't find it somewhere else, but if you do find it, you have to be able to say, okay, someone gave me this good advice. It really seems helpful. So how is this saying what Krishna says, maybe in a different way? Maybe someone said it in a way that made it more clear to me or easier to understand. That's possible. But still, 
once you receive what you believe is good advice, how is this confirmed by Krishna? Because if it's truly good advice, Krishna must have said something like that, even if he used a different language. So checking things, you know, checking them against the Gita is a very good way to stay out of a weird situation. Another part of this question, regarding, quote, revealing the mind and confidence, unquote, devotees have said this doesn't mean just regurgitating all your mind's problems on a devotee. It means discussing service and how to do more of it. Well, sometimes it means regard. I mean, sometimes you just, sometimes you're really upset and you need to talk to somebody. And you just need to tell them how you're upset. And you can't really, you know, talk about, okay, I'm going to sell more books or I'm going to, I don't know, cook more offerings when you're really emotionally disturbed. So that kind of advice, it sort of comes from people that, um, you know, they, maybe they mean well spiritually, but don't understand uh, human life very well. So sometimes I've seen devotees just need a person who will listen for some kind, yes, uh, for some time, kind of like a shoulder to cry on, to use a cliche. The pastime of Sri Kanta Sena comes to mind. When he was disturbed, Lord Chaitanya did not instruct him initially, but rather just pacified him first. Of course, it is a, it is a transcendental pastime, yeah, but it's also one that we're supposed to follow. But we see this often between Yudhisthira Maharaj and Arjuna. When Arjuna is very disturbed, in the first canto, Maharaj Yudhisthira gently speaks to him, asking him gradually about the real cause of his distress. So is it all right if we are trying to take care of devotees to not always preach Krishna consciousness, in quotes, but just let them reveal what's going on, just listen, and then slowly build? Yeah, obviously. I mean, some people are about as sensitive as, I don't know, like, 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 a, like a rusty fork or something. I mean, some people just... Some people dehumanize Krishna consciousness. Krishna consciousness does not mean to renounce your humanity. It means to spiritualize it, but the humanity is still there. So another question. Uh, I know some devotees who have resentment towards Krishna because they are upset that Krishna allowed some unfortunate events to happen to them. Well, first of all, it is kind of pretentious to say that the event was unfortunate. I mean, we may call it unfortunate because it didn't please us, because it's not what we wanted, but we don't see the whole picture because actually everything that Krishna does is ultimately for the good. There's even a saying in Spanish, no hay mal que por bien no venga. There's no evil that doesn't come for some good. So if you say that something was unfortunate, you are already removing Krishna from the situation, not letting Krishna decide whether it's fortunate or unfortunate. And you're not really open to like, what is Krishna really doing here? And why am I really suffering? So in this case, these devotees are unable to feel about themselves the same way Krishna feels about them, a positive way, how to help those devotees. Uh, I think it comes down to trusting Krishna. I remember when I was a kid, I've told this story actually several times, but I must have been about five years old, five or six years old. And my father took me and my older brother to a medical clinic because apparently we had to get some vaccination. And so I remember this was in Los Angeles. We went into this clinic 
And uh, they called my brother first. My brother, I'm, I was probably about five years old. He, he might have been like uh, six and a half or something. So they called him into this room, the treatment room, and the door was open. They didn't close the door. So I was looking in to see, like, what are they going to do to him? And I saw they pulled his pants down and they got out this big needle to give him a shot. And I thought, I am so out of here. So I, um, I just turned and ran. I just ran right out of the clinic and I ran down the street. I just wanted to get as far away from that clinic as I could before they tried to put, give me a shot. And my father just ran after me. I was really small, so I didn't get very far. I remember he picked me up, I mean, in a very nice way. He picked me up and he just put me on his shoulder and brought me back in and I did get the shot. So uh, some people mean well, but they're not mature in Krishna consciousness and they don't, um, it's not easy. I mean, it's easy to say, just trust Krishna. And sometimes we get in very difficult situations. It's not easy, but somehow or other, it's a struggle like Arjuna had to fight. And sometimes we just have to fight to trust Krishna but we should fight and we should trust Krishna. It's not easy, but those are the decisions that, you know, will determine our future. So, uh, good old Shraddha, how can we best attain or link our vision with the vision of Shastra? Uh, first thing is we have to really understand it, not just read superficially, because there are people who read Shastra and quote verses, but uh, their behavior is, uh, well, you all know. So first thing is really understand it. Don't fall into this trap, which, I mean, it's a cliche nowadays that some people are religious but not spiritual. I mean, we know, we all know people in the Hare Krishna movement who are very religious and do not seem to be very spiritual. They're not nice to other people. They don't seem to really respect other people and... Uh, But they're very religious, you know, they're very strict in, in external principles, but they just don't seem to be nice people. We all know people like that. So the first thing we have to do is understand what real, what Shastra is actually saying. It's not, Shastra is not just a bunch of rules, as Prabhupada wrote to me once. It's, a, it's about loving other people. It's about loving yourself. It's about, it's about accepting yourself as an eternal person. So we have to really understand Shastra. Another question, how would you recommend someone to deal with trauma? Well, it depends. You know, does that person need professional help? Can that person just, you know, be preached out of their situation? I mean, I think there are many, many of us. Sometimes I joke and say, if you don't have post-traumatic stress disorder, you, you must not have been in the Hare Krishna movement. So, you know, we were all very young and, 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 and it was a difficult movement. And so a lot of us, have had painful experiences, probably most of us. And uh, some people need professional help. Some people can some somehow find their way out of it through Krishna consciousness, through good association. But we should reach out for help and uh, not become our trauma. You don't want to just become your trauma. You want to become Krishna's eternal servant. So uh, there's actually someone listening who has the screen name Irene Jellybean. I just want to let you know that that was a really funny name. Really appreciated that. Um, question. 
I feel that I shouldn't preach above my realization, but that is very limiting. Well, what I found, I'm sure many of you have found, or all of you, is that when we preach, we get more realization. So if you're preaching to someone, and as you're preaching, you're just inspired to talk about Krishna, go with your inspiration. Because as you are preaching, Krishna in your heart can just bless you, and you can get a realization right there. Maybe it's not your, let's say, your normal daily realization. It's not like you wake up every morning and you see that, but in the act of preaching, you just get inspired. And, and, and as you're preaching, you begin to see other things that are true. And in that inspiration, you can share them with other people. You can share your realizations live, like in real time, you can get realizations and share them with the people you're talking to. So Chutananda said, hello. Well, Hare Krishna, hello. Hare Krishna also means hello, means many things. So let's see. <laughs> Shalom, back to you. So let's see any other questions. Um, okay, Portuguese, como ajudar aqueles que estão sofrendo, mas não aceitam nossa ajuda para não perceberam que estão doentes. Oh, English. Uh, how to help those who are suffering but do not accept our help because they don't perceive that they are sick or unwell. Um, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. All we can do is help people who accept our help, and we can help them to the extent that they accept our help. And, you know, it's not that our duty is to save everyone. Our duty is to just offer whatever we have to everyone in Krishna consciousness. And if they don't accept it, then so be it. You're like on Sankirtan. Someone doesn't buy a book, go to the next person. Uh, so, sometimes I have the impression that follower, if the follower of classic religions have not so much problems to see the bodies created by God and Krishna conscious, often it seems that Devotees go to a kind of Gnosticism and believe that their body is not part of Krishna and not directly linked to Krishna. Well, I hope not. I mean, if you're thinking your body has no connection to Krishna, uh, please don't think that way. Because as we know, the body is a gift from Krishna for our own self-realization, and it's a gift we can use to help so many other people. So here's a question. Uh, would it be overstated? Would it be an overstated cliche to say that if one doesn't try to maintain ideal, healthy gratitude, that can open the door for these negative thoughts to come in. If so, how can one have more gratitude in one's life? Um, frankly, when I get up in the morning and I just, you know, am just cleaning up in the morning, I just feel so grateful that I can just turn a tap and the water comes out. I really feel grateful that I have fresh water. I mean, that I have air to breathe. I'm so grateful that Krishna's given me another day to try to serve him. So, I mean, every breath, every, everything, everything is a gift of Krishna. Our existence is a gift of Krishna. And we often forget that, but, and, and that also leads to depression. I mean, one, you know, gratitude is also a cure for depression. Just look at all the wonderful things we have and the opportunities we have, the fact that we exist. I mean, what if you didn't exist? What if you never existed? What if there was never a you? It's kind of a, what they call in Spanish, rompe cabeza, you know, head breaker. But, um, I mean, just think about the fact that you, every one of you, 
gets to be, every one of you is one of the eternal souls. What greater gift could there be? What greater value? What greater blessing than that you are an eternal soul? Krishna will, Krishna promises you that you will exist forever. And if we just do the right thing, we can be happy forever. So we really need to cultivate gratitude. I think that's a very important point. Really cultivate gratitude. So uh, thank you all. I mean, for all those who are sending nice messages, I'm reading them. I really appreciate it. I do. It's very encouraging. And I'm grateful for your kind words. One question. How can, oh, can we pray to Krishna for financial material relief? <laughs> uh, maybe I should start a, a prosperity ministry on television. So regarding that question, um, yeah, if your situation is really damaging your health and spiritual life, just like when in Vrindavan, when there was too much rain or fire or demons that, devotees cried out to Krishna. So praying to Krishna for wealth, I want to be wealthy, I want to buy a lot of things I don't need, that's not appropriate. But if your financial situation is such that it's actually negatively impacting your health, and or let's say maybe you can't give healthy food to your children or to yourself, or you don't have time to practice Krishna consciousness, so the extent to which objectively your financial situation is harming your spiritual life, your health, which is necessary to serve, uh, yeah, then you can ask Krishna for relief. So, uh, so as a psychotherapy researcher, I, fully, I truly believe that chapter two of the Bhagavad Gita can be applied as a theoretical basis for the effective cognitive behavioral treatment of depression, anxiety, PTSD. It has all of the effective elements of value, of value-based exposure therapy, behavior therapy. So thank you, that's from Lee. So there we have a professional confirmation about the Bhagavad Gita. So uh, again, I'm reading your words, just uh, here's a question. Oh, uh, Nikakuba. Sometimes it appears like, sometimes it appears that as hard as we try to dedicate our life to preaching, some, um, words misspelled, something forces us away from preaching due to mundane responsibilities. What should we do? Well, like take Krishna West, for example. You may have heard of Krishna West. Um, I mean, for years I've been praying to Krishna, please help us, because Prabhupada said, Krishna's going to spread his movement. Now, if you volunteer, if you're willing to serve, uh, then Krishna will, he, he will empower you. And so seeing the state of Prabhupada's movement and really just wanting more than anything in the world to help Prabhupada to rebuild, especially his Western mission, I've been praying for years. and. Actually, lately, some really amazing things are happening. I was just, uh, there's one devotee, who, her name is Chitraleka, who's very kindly put me on a, a mailing list where every day I get a little email about Prabhupada, and for the last, I guess, months, 
she's been sending little things from Prabhupada's diary. And it really surprised me, I mean, how much Prabhupada was not really getting anywhere in the beginning. I mean, he was in New York. It's not that Prabhupada just went to New York and, and then it all happened. And then, you know, he went to New York and then three days later he was registering ISKCON. For months and months and months, uh, you know, people, one thing that constantly happens, because Prabhupada kept a diary, is that people said they were going to come and they didn't come. They didn't show up. They didn't keep their appointments. Uh, Prabhupada was putting his books on consignment. He was leaving, you know, maybe a dozen, two dozen copies of his books, sometimes more in various bookstores and outlets. And then you get these notations all the time in his diary that, you know, so-and-so returned the books. They didn't want the books, couldn't sell them, brought them back. And you things like, you know, we did a program, I did a program today, three people came. Or I did a program today, nobody came. And, and this just keeps going on day after day, week after week, because I'm following the diary on a daily basis. It just, it keeps going on. And Prabhupada himself was a little discouraged, but he, he just kept at it. So if we really want to preach, we have to just keep praying to Krishna. We can't give up those prayers. We have to keep praying to Krishna. I don't want to be self-centered. I don't want to be selfish. I really want to find real happiness by fully dedicating myself to Prabhupada's mission. And we just have to keep praying and begging Krishna to accept us, to empower us to use us as his instrument. So Irene Jellybean is my old friend, Duke of Huntry. And so thank you for clearing that up. Duke of Huntry um, personally helped me so much uh, back in the early days when we first started doing the Bhagavatam. She was, she was cooking for me and other devotees, expert cook, and she was typing, doing so much work to produce the new Bhagavatam. So, uh, my god sister, who I will always be very grateful to. So, let's see, anything else? Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, here's an interesting thing. Hey, it's good old Christian Shakti. I agree with what Charity just said. Speaking for myself, one of the times when I was really down and felt hopeless with all the craziness happening in my life, I kind of yelled at Krishna, I think we all have, and asked him if he was on vacation. That's a very interesting, it's a very interesting question to put to Krishna. In spite of my disrespect, he honored what he says, and just for asking for his help, he manifested help on that very same day. One single step I took towards him, and he has not stopped showing me his mercy ever since, especially through his, oh, representative, I think that's me. Uh, so, thank you, Krishna Shakti. Thank you. That was a really interesting comment. Um, how might I, an aspiring sadhaka, begin to develop shraddha when my more, it's like there's a devotee on the uh, here named Shraddha, old friend, when my more qualified seniors still seemingly struggle for steady taste and faith even after decades of practice? Well, maybe you just need to take a look at other seniors. I mean, all the devotees are, in their own ways, uh, great souls. But I know many senior devotees, and I, you know, to be honest, I have to include myself, that um, really have a taste. I mean, I, I've never been happier in Krishna consciousness, to be honest. And uh, because... 
I mean, from the, from the day I joined the movement, one of the things that most inspired me personally was that if you just stick to this process, stick to Prabhupada, stick to the Maha Mantra, then your, your life will get better and better. And that's, I mean, of course there are problems. Sometimes our lives suddenly, you know, like some crazy thing happens in our life and we get this heavy test and we may even go years, a few years, just really struggling. But my personal experience, I've been doing this about 50 years, which is amazing since I'm only 49 years old. So I actually started this, you know, joined this kind of year before I was born. But I can, I can honestly say that despite all the troubles, um, my life does get better and better and better. And even when I'm going, I've gone through really heavy times and, and, and all that, you know, just stick to Krishna. I just stuck to Krishna. And then at the end, you end up way beyond where you were before. So it's not like you suffer, you pray to Krishna, and then just go back where you were. No, you suffer, you pray to Krishna, and then you end up beyond where you were. So, um, yeah, there are many senior devotees in this movement, I think. Maybe not millions of them, but there are a lot of devotees. Some of them are my generation, Prabhupada disciples. Some of them are second generation, even third generation. I mean, there are many very good senior devotees who are setting a good example. And so... Uh, go find them and you'll be happy. So, uh, oh, you're welcome, Prabhupada Priya. Uh, let's see. Um, one devotee apologized for spelling mistakes. Like my mother used to say, I pray to God, that's the worst thing that ever happens to you. Uh, thank you all. I mean, for all those of you who are thanking me, I really sincerely thank you. I really appreciate that you're with me here. Oh, one devotee said, Shalom, Haribo. So, Shalom, Shalom Aleichem. How does forgiveness manifest long term? Uh, I guess you, you really stop hating the person, uh, just to give a very short answer. Forgiveness manifest. Um, here's, here's why we have trouble forgiving. There's a, very, there's a very simple, obvious reason why it's, sometimes it's not easy for us to forgive. And that is because, um, well, first of all, if you admit that really Krishna did it, that even though someone, let's say, acted really badly toward me, and their bad behavior is really bad behavior, and that person, at least that moment, is really a bad person. I mean, originally spirit, soul, and the soul is there, but what they did is really bad. It's not just it looks bad, it is bad. However, there's another layer. That's at the human level. At the spiritual level, Krishna used that, perhaps that uh, reprehensible person, to uh, because I had to experience something. And so that, I mean, that person was not thinking, oh, yes, I want to help this, you know, I'm going to rip this person off. I'm going to betray this person. I'm going to abuse this person. But my only motive is just to help them to understand Krishna's mercy. No, the person was really doing something bad. So I'm not confused about that. But from a spiritual point of view, if you see that it's really Krishna, ultimately Krishna used that person as an instrument. And therefore, it's not that I necessarily love that person's behavior. I mean, to be really, you know, thank you for abusing me. I am eternally grateful. That's kind of a tough one. Uh, it may not even be healthy uh, psychologically. 
but rather I think that um, you should think that ultimately what really matters is my relationship with Krishna, and so that person's really irrelevant. I mean, it's like if someone sells you a ticket, let's say, for, for uh, to fly somewhere. I mean, you can be polite, but ultimately it's not about the ticket agent, it's about where you're going. And so if someone is just an instrument, at the same time, obviously, we should avoid people who are abusive, or if people have traumatized us or abused us, or just really been jerks. I mean, if I can just use that common language. Uh, if someone is really misbehaved, then we should avoid them. We should we should not tolerate or accept any abuse. Absolutely not. In the name of Krishna's mercy. I mean, you do your best to get out of there. If despite all your best efforts, someone still somehow or other has harmed you or uh, mistreated you in a certain way, then, you know, you have to think of Krishna. But we avoid abuse. We don't tolerate abuse. But after all is said and done... If you really see it as Krishna's mercy, if you really see it as Krishna's mercy, not just theoretically, theologically, but really emotionally in your life, then the person who did it to you kind of becomes irrelevant, like they don't matter. Because what really matters is you and Krishna. And there's that famous verse, that tattenu kampan susamikshamanu. There's a verse about, famous verse about that. That one who is bunjane vatma kritang vipakam. If you are experiencing, bunjana here means experiencing, if you are experiencing sinful reactions or reactions for what you've done, and uh, and yet you think tatenu kampan, that is Krishna's mercy. You really believe that tatenu kampan susam ikshamano. Ikshamano itself means seeing it, but susam ikshamano is, is like very emphatic. It, it means like very completely or very much in every sense seeing it that way. So susam, these two Sanskrit prefixes make it extremely emphatic. Susamikshamano, you're really seeing it that way, really. Then, and hridvagvapur beer, uh, with your heart, with your words, and uh, with your body. Vidadhan namaste, you go on surrendering to Krishna, literally bowing to Krishna. Vidadhan namaste. Jiveta Joe, one who can live their life in this way. A person who can live their life in this way. Jiveta Jo means one who, who can live in this way. Jiveta Jo Mukti Sadayabak has become a rightful heir to liberation. In other words, liberation has become their right to inherit. So when we suffer abuse or, or any kind of injury, injustice at the hands of other people. Again, we try to avoid it, but if it happens, uh, if you can really see that as Krishna's mercy on you, then you become a very advanced Vaishnava. So I think it's not so much forgiving. I mean, the emphasis is not actually on, for, I mean, forgiving, although Shanti, it's, it's actually one of the qualities of, of a Brahman is forgiveness. Uh, Shanti means forgiveness. So we should forgive, but really the Shastra emphasizes even more than forgiveness is seeing it as Krishna's mercy. And if we also understand that the person who did it was obviously a miserable, ignorant person, at least at the time of doing that, then, you know, what are you going to do with them? You, you forgive them, and especially see it as Krishna's mercy. So uh, let's see.
I'm almost done here. Uh, can you please comment on this, Maharaj? Beliefs, worldview, triggers, filters, emotional state are responsible for the quality of our own lives. Uh, not really. I mean, they obviously influence our life. What ultimately is responsible for the quality of our own life is us, you and me. And that's what Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, 6, 5, and 66. This is too much like deterministic, psychological determinism. And Whoops, let me just uh, get rid of that real quick. Um, so, uh, actually, the easiest way to quick it, I'll call you back in a minute. I'm in the middle of the class. Hare Krishna. <laughs> Sorry. That's just the easiest way to make it stop ringing. So 6, 5, and 6, 6, Krishna says that ultimately you are your only, you alone are your friend. The soul alone is the soul's own friend. The soul alone is the friend's own enemy. You alone can elevate yourself. You alone can degrade yourself. And so that thing that, you know, triggers, filters, I mean, I mean, the statement is correct in the sense that maybe we create, I mean, we have triggers or filters because that, those are the choices we made. But so I'm, I'm not just saying there's nothing in that statement you sent in. I don't want to just completely reject it because maybe whoever wrote that meant something else. Maybe I didn't understand it well enough. So I'll just kind of leave that go for, for the moment. But, but what I do know is that the healthiest thing is to take responsibility for your life. Take responsibility for your life and believe that you can have the life you want if you really are determined. And that's what Krishna tells us. You alone can elevate yourself. You alone can degrade yourself. Don't give your power to other people. And even let's say, well, okay, well, I take shelter of a guru of Krishna. Yeah, but, but then that's a decision we made. To really take shelter has to be your strength, your decision. Taking shelter of a guru, for example, doesn't mean you give up responsibility for your life. I made that point in a initiation class uh, I gave uh, very recently where I said, when you take initiation, you're not renouncing your adult life. You're still responsible. And, and, and the guru, if, if, if the guru actually knows what he or she is doing, the guru is, is, is not taking over your life. The guru is accepting you because the guru hopes or believes that you are a responsible person who knows what they're doing and is going to take good advice and properly direct their own life. So the same person wrote, the bad or abusive things that are so-called being done to us may actually be a blessing if we can only see Krishna's smiling face from behind the scene and in such situations ask ourselves, what else could this mean? Yes. I mean, as again, as in Spanish, no hay mal que por bien no venga. There's no evil. It doesn't come for some good. Things or events don't have an intrinsic meaning. We give it meaning. Uh, that's the landmark forum, actually. Uh, <laughs> I can just say it. And actually, I uh, I objected. At a, I went there one time as an observer at the invitation of several devotees so I could advise them on what I thought. And, uh, yeah, things do have intrinsic meaning. Uh, for example, uh you're, you have intrinsic meaning, you're part of Krishna. And everything that happens in our life is a message from Krishna. So 
we can't just the landmark form. I, I don't. You know, maybe that's not what you meant, but but there is some such a thing called. Was, you don't hear about it so much anymore. But they said, you know, nothing has intrinsic meaning. It's just a meaning you give it. But I would say that a devotee is trying to discover the real meaning, because things have a real meaning, and it's a question of discovering the higher meaning. So it's like you said earlier, the best or the better use of things or being done to Krishna's mercy. So that is a fact. It's not something we give to it. It's something we discover. It's something we accept. We accept what it really means. And everything that happens to us, everything, everything that happens to us in our life is Krishna's mercy in some way. And that's the real meaning of it. So it's a question of discovering the ultimate true meaning of things, which is Krishna. So, from good old Jagannath, uh, Krishna has unlimited potency. When we chant Hare Krishna, we increase Krishna's potency or pleasure. Uh, not well, it's an interesting question. Can you talk about this? We don't increase Krishna's potency. I mean, he's a pretty potent guy already. So we're not increasing his potency. Uh, we do give him pleasure. Krishna has unlimited pleasure. But out of love, out of his love for us, he is very pleased to see us doing the right thing and coming back to home, back to Godhead. So yes, we can give pleasure to Krishna, although it's not that he's unhappy, but he is pleased when we do the right thing because he loves us. Uh, so, um, oh, Someone said uh, the, the, the points that I was commenting on about uh, bring your own meaning, that was attributed to Tony Robbins, who gave up an ice cream fortune, but I guess made a different kind of fortune. I mean, probably, I'm, you know, I have nothing against Tony Robbins, probably a nice guy. Uh, yeah, because you see, if you don't believe in an absolute truth, if you don't believe there's ultimately a, a, a personal God, because if there's an impersonal God, then, you know, all the details of this world, who cares, you know, make your own reality, all that postmodern nonsense. But if you understand Krishna, that, that there is a real personal God, Krishna. And Krishna, because everything that exists is part of Krishna, everything has an objective meaning because everything is part of God. And we discover that objective meaning. So, um, the last one. So it is, the more we take personal responsibility, the more we will see ourselves as Krishna sees us. Uh, very good question, actually. It's a very interesting question. Uh, yes, because Krishna sees us as, as little divine, as divine sparks. We're part of him. And just like if you're a mother or a father, you want to see your children standing up and being good persons and making right decisions. You want to see them grow up and do the right thing. And so Krishna sees our condition, but he wants us. Krishna wants us to grow. Krishna wants us to be powerful. He wants us, we surrender to Krishna so that he can give us freedom. It's just like when you go to a doctor and you follow the doctor's instructions, if it's a good doctor, the more you strictly follow the doctor, the more freedom you have. If the doctor is not a psychopath or something, the doctor is not trying to enslave you. When the doctor says, you have to eat this, you can't eat that, you have to take this medicine, do this, don't do that, 
The doctor is not, if he's a good doctor, he's not trying to lord it over you. He wants to help you to become healthy so that when you do become healthy, you're free. You have your own life. You could have a free, happy life. Krishna wants us to have a free, happy life with him because we're part of him. So, uh, yeah, we have to take personal responsibility. Blaming others, like I'm suffering because of you or I'm suffering because of that other person. It's just, uh, we are really disempowering ourselves, degrading ourselves. Degrading ourselves. It's almost like someone, let's say, who, who, who's, who, who's in a jail and is crying, let me out, let me out, don't lock me up like this. And this person didn't notice the, jail, the, the door's not locked. You can just walk out. So anytime you want, I mean, it, 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 may, it may take some time. It's a gradual process, but you can walk out of your troubles by advancing in Krishna consciousness. It's gradual, but, but the progress will enliven you. It's like, let's say you wanted to make a trip and you've been planning this trip and you never leave and you procrastinate. When you finally get out on the road, you're finally on the road, you're finally on your way. Even though it may be a long trip, you're on your way. And so we can walk out of material bondage. We can walk out of our troubles if we choose with our own power as divine spiritual sparks, if we choose to give ourselves even more to Krishna, become even more serious about our spiritual life. So I think I will actually end here. I actually found your questions. Now I know what to do. I have to send you a comment and then the comment thing appears. So again, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. It's, um, and thank you for writing in questions. And uh, I hope to see you next Sunday. Again, if you live in Southern California, Holmby Park. I'll, I'll just write it one more time. Well, I wrote it once. I'll write it one more time. Holmby Park in Los Angeles on the corner of uh, Comstock and South Beverly Glen. It's right in my neighborhood, actually, my old neighborhood. So you're all welcome. 8.30 at Holmby Park. Oh, there's a few more things. Sorry. Tony Robbins has been getting into the chain of Hare Krishna. Small, well, good for Tony Robbins. Then Jai Bhakta Tony. Yeah, I mean, no hard feelings, Tony. So, um, so thank you all very much. Hare Krishna. Hope you all have great lives today and forever. See you later.